It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. With a team as talented and with as high of expectations as the Sacramento Kings have, it's not going to be easy for a rookie to crack the rotation, unless you have the situation of 28-year-old EuroLeague MVP Sasha Vazenkov. But in the case of Colby Jones, what should his role be with the Kings? What should his approach be for the Kings? And how should Mike Brown and the Sacramento Kings be looking to use Colby Jones in his rookie season? Bryant West from the Kings Herald joins me to discuss all this on today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time, time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome to Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all off-season long. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and producer for ABC 10 News. And over the course of the off-season, I've been kind of breaking down what I believe Mike Brown's rotation is going to be. I think he's going to have a pretty consistent 10-man rotation. And that 11th guy, Colby Jones, in my opinion, is very close, very close to being a contributor to where... Even though he's a rookie, even though he's a second-round pick, I think, in theory, for what we believe Colby Jones to be as an NBA player, I think he provides enough to where, at times, he's going to be the first number outside of Mike's normal rotation that, that Coach Brown calls on and says, I need this, I need defense, I need shooting, I need someone to give me a spark. Colby, you're going to be my guy. Now, that's just my opinion on the situation without any context of training camp, but what are the Sacramento Kings going to ask of Colby Jones in training camp? What does Colby Jones need to do during training camp over the course of the season to learn and develop as a rookie while also being ready to contribute on a team that can't afford to bring rookies along? He is an older rookie. He's, I think, 21 years old. He, he spent three years uh, in college. So, He's someone that could make probably more of an immediate impact for the Sacramento Kings than maybe younger players um, who were selected higher than him, at least immediate impacts. So what are the Sacramento Kings going to ask of Colby Jones? What should they What should they ask of Colby Jones? And what can he do to kind of prepare himself or put himself in the best position to, again, grow and learn and establish himself in the league, but also be ready to actually contribute to a winning team with high expectations. Well, instead of talking through this by myself, Bryant West, who does a phenomenal job uh, covering the draft, covering rookies, covering Kings basketball, period, over at the Kings Herald. Uh, he is always a treat to have on the Lockdown Kings podcast, so I was very excited to have him on today. We're going to talk, of course, a lot about Colby Jones. We talk a lot about Sasha Vazenkov, too, and kind of our idea of what his role is going to be here in Sacramento. And we even talk about the possibility of Vazenkov like replacing Harrison Barnes as a starter. Uh, and then at the very, very end, we also talk about the big man battle in training camp, too. So a lot of great stuff here in this conversation with Brian. I think you're going to enjoy it. I certainly did. If you want to respond to anything that we discuss, you can do so at any time. 
hit me on Twitter at MattGeorgeSack. You can email me, MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com. And if you're watching on YouTube, join in the conversation in the comment section down below. But for now, here is my conversation with the Kings Heralds, Bryant West. We've spent so much time this offseason going through this roster top to bottom, especially the top eight to ten guys and determining what their rotational spots will be, how many minutes they're going to be playing, and how they'll contribute to the Sacramento Kings winning games. But there's more than ten guys on this roster. And the guy that I think is number 11 is rookie Colby Jones, someone who was just selected by the Sacramento Kings, technically a second-round pick, although a lot consider him to be late first-round talent. So we're going to discuss Colby Jones today and how he should be approaching this season, what we think his role should be, and how he can contribute to a contending team or a team that hopes to be contending while also learning and understanding and picking up uh, the game of basketball at the NBA level. To help me do this, Bryant West, contributor for the Kings Herald, joins me back here on Locked on Kings. Bryant, it's good to see you, my friend. We're still, it feels like, so far away from Sacramento Kings basketball, but every day it gets closer and closer. And my thing is, as training camp gets closer, we really can have some fun breaking down this roster because there's so much talent here that the Kings are bringing into training camp. It's a good problem, but it's going to be a tough job for Mike Brown and this coaching staff to kind of figure this rotation out. Yeah, it's absolutely true. Um, on paper, and given what we saw last year from the returning players, like this is one of the deeper benches that the Kings have had maybe in franchise history. Um, and just looking at especially the guard rotation between, uh, you know, Fox and uh, Kevin Herter, clearly the starters, probably Malik Monk, Davion Mitchell, new guy, Chris Duarte off the bench. Like it, it, it's going to be hard for Colby Jones to to get any guaranteed minutes. And, you know, that's kind of a new new. Uh, problem for the Sacramento Kings like when was the last time uh, uh, the first drafted rookie of this team didn't have at least you know guaranteed minutes um, that certainly wasn't the case last year uh, for uh, Keegan uh, it certainly wasn't the case for Davion Mitchell he came off the bench his rookie year but he was the first guy off the bench certainly wasn't the case for Tyrese Halliburton this is just you know it's an exciting new era of Sacramento Kings basketball to be talking about having a bench so deep that hey maybe this guy who I thought was the first round pick plenty of people thought Colby Jones could be a first round pick um it, it it's just interesting that a guy that talented you know you just have to look at this roster and be like well he has the opportunity if he's ready to grab it, but I also wouldn't be surprised or disappointed if we don't see a ton of playing time for Colby in Sacramento this year. I'm excited to hear you speak on this because I think Colby actually, like realistically, I'm not expecting him to play too much. I'm expecting him to be kind of a spot, a spot minutes guy, at least as a rookie, and then we'll see where his career goes from there. But I think Colby actually does bring a bit of an advantage into training camp considering the skill sets that he provides are skill sets that naturally are needs for the mm -hmm. Sacramento Kings, plus what we believe to be his NBA position, kind of that wing, kind of a hybrid two, three, but who can also uh, handle the basketball. You can never have enough of those type of players, especially here in Sacramento. But Brian, I think the, the fact that he is a floor spacer and shooter, but also someone who on the defensive end of the floor provides kind of length and versatility to guard multiple positions with how Mike Brown ran his rotations last season and at times where if he wasn't getting what he needed from his top guys, he would look down the bench and say, you, I need you to give me a shot. I think Colby Jones might be a guy because of those skill sets that, that he's the first one that Mike Brown's pointing to in those scenarios. 
Yeah, I'm excited to see how he fits on this team whenever he gets the opportunity. Um, because I, like you, I think there's a real chance that he's a meaningful two-way contributor for this team for years to come who can play really well off of the stars. Um, he certainly got to showcase a lot of those skills in summer league. Um, like you said, switching across multiple defensive assignments, playing passing lanes, like his ball hockey instincts were great in college. It was certainly on display in summer league. Um, getting past guys to the rim, uh, his touch once he got into the mid-range, hitting that floater. You know, whenever he gets playing time with the Kings, whether it's just spot minutes now or we're talking a year or two and then, you know, he's more the eighth, ninth guy, he's going to play well off De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis, um, that secondary playmaking ability, which he uh, got to do a lot at Xavier. He was uh, the Musketeers' leading shot maker and playmaker, uh, was instrumental in that efficient offense that got them to the NCAA tournament last year. Uh, his, his just overall awareness on both ends of the court and his hopefully continually improving deep shot. That could just be a really versatile role player for this team. And like you said, any NBA team should want guys six, six who can do everything that Colby projects to be able to do. It's, it, it just comes down to, you know, and if he doesn't get playing time this year, if most of his playing time is in Stockton, because I agree with you, I, I I would imagine that there will be a lot of random games where it's, oh, Mike Brown's not liking what he's seeing from uh, the starters or, you know, one of the bench guys is having a couple, two mistakes. Get Kobe Jones out there because he's not a, you know, a typical rookie who's going to go out there and make boneheaded turnovers or just play outside of himself. That's not his game. That's not who he is. But if he's spending most of the season in Stockton, I, I don't think that's a bad thing whatsoever. It just gives him more time to adjust to the speed of the NBA game. And I think some of the offensive inconsistencies in summer league, you know, he shot 39% from the field in Vegas, 24% uh, from three, finished with just a one-to-one -one assist to turnover ratio, again, in just those four games in Las Vegas. Like uh, some of those uh, errors were understandable. Like, he wasn't a first round draft pick in my book because he had an elite NBA tool set in terms of size, length, explosiveness. I liked him in the draft and especially his fit in Sacramento because he was just so versatile on both ends of Xavier, crafty on and off the ball, made big improvements on his shooting as a junior. It, it, you can just see how the pieces would fit for him alongside the guys that the Kings already have. Um, but it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for him to get a ton of run in Stockton, keep getting used to playing against near NBA talent on a regular basis. Um, and, you know, all signs point to the Kings using Stockton, the Stockton club in the right way. So by no means should anybody take any time in Stockton as a slight to Colby. He, I mean, he very much fits that mold of the Monty McNair guy, right? Older, oh, yeah. someone who's versatile, kind of a plug and play type player to which, like we're going to try and put ourselves into the mind of Mike Brown here, which is, is never an easy thing to do. But one of the things that stuck out to me about media day last season was the amount of players that shared that Mike had individual meetings with each one of them or the coaching staff had, in, had individual meetings with each one of them and kind of told them what he envisioned their role to be, what he wanted from them, what he expected from them, at least coming into training camp. I'm sure it mm -hmm. changed in, over the course of the year, but at least he had like an idea of what he thought each player's like role would be and what he wanted from them. Putting ourselves into the mind of Mike Brown, if we're sitting across the table from Colby Jones heading into training camp for his rookie season, what are you telling Colby? Like, this is what 
coming into training camp, this is what we want from you. This is what we envision you to be right now. And hopefully we can grow later, but right now, this is what we need you to be to contribute to winning. Well, I think the nicest thing about that conversation with Colby Jones is that whatever Mike wants him to do, he's going to be able to contribute across the board. Mm. Um, he's not going to be a guy who comes in is just like, Hey, you just go stand in the corner and shoot or, or just keep the ball moving. Like he can do all of those things. And if he gets some overplays or finds some advantages, he can get to the rim too. Um, so Mike Brown may just tell him, Hey, stay, stay ready. Um, we'll bounce you back and forth between Stockton and here. It's a short drive. You'll be sitting on our bench some nights and playing in Stockton on off games. And if, if he calls on him, I bet you that Colby Jones will come in and, and give us some flashes, give us some smart passes, keep the ball moving, hit some shots. And if there's not time for him, like the issue there is if he's having that sit down with Colby Jones, what is he telling Colby? that he should expect to do that. He's also not asking Duarte to do, hmm. or he's not asking Davion Mitchell to already do. Um, and, and depth is never a bad thing. Depth at shooting defense, keep the ball moving. That's never a bad thing. None of this is a complaint, but Chris Duarte came in as a rookie and set the league on fire. Like he was a leading uh, rookie of the year candidate for a, a couple of months into his rookie year. And I, I, I very much expect that, he's going to come in and be a great fit with this team. Mm. And, you know, when they drafted Colby in the second round uh, two months ago, we we were, at least I was, I bet you were too, thinking Colby could fit in as that third guard right between, you know, that th third guard wing right between uh, Davion and Monk. Then they go and get Chris Duarte, who mm. I really feel probably has a better case for minutes immediately. So um, having to be or be better than Chris Duarte is, is a tall task for a rookie. Yeah. I remember when Colby was selected, my immediate reaction, I think I tweeted as much on draft night was like, bye-bye Terrence Davis. Like I, I yeah. thought for sure, like, okay, that's it. He's mm -hmm. kind of going to take that Terrence Davis spot. Then the Kings bring in Duarte who had a really down season last season, also battled with a lot of injuries. But I think what the Kings are kind of hoping for is what made Duarte such a good and impactful rookie was, his relationship and how he played with Demonda Sabonis. Sabonis left and he was never quite the same. So maybe they can recreate that here in Sacramento. But Brian, do you think, like, again, Duarte's not an experienced NBA veteran. He's just going into his third season, mm -hmm. as is like Davion Mitchell, for example. Do you think Colby Jones is a legitimate, I, I don't know if threat is the right word. Do you think Colby Jones will put a lot of pressure or, or a decent amount of pressure on Duarte to potentially lose that, I believe, 10th? and final kind of consistent rotational spot? Or do you think Duarte, because of the two years of experience, plus like what he's shown in his skill set, you think he's got a pretty comfortable safety net over a technically second round pick? I think Colby definitely has a chance. Like it, it, even if, like I talked about, there's certainly some concerns about adjusting to the speed of the game. When you're that smart and that versatile, you guys like Colby Jones make their own opportunities. He's not going to go out there and Mike Brown's going to see every day in practice what Colby Jones can bring. And Colby Jones is uh, a, a smart, as, as smart and veteran-like as you could ask from a 21-year-old rookie. I'm pretty sure he's 21. If you made me bet, I would not think that he beats out Chris Duarte for that 10th man role. And I agree with you. 
that that's how I'd stack it. But again, like how nice is it to just be talking about a guy like we're, we're debating Colby Jones and Chris Duarte for the 10th man spot. Right. Like go back three years and we're suddenly, no, no, that's like sixth man type stuff we're talking about. So um, I wouldn't bet on it, but Colby absolutely has the opportunity. If he goes out there and he just shoots the heck out of the ball in training camp, um, shows that he the practices in summer league has got him a little more comfortable facing off against the fastest and the strongest guys. The role is here. Mm. The opportunity may not be here, but you know when you're talented, you go and grab your role and you go and grab your opportunity. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Ibotta. Look, here in Sacramento, we still have some summertime weather. We still have some grilling and barbecuing weather. Maybe you're grilling and barbecuing on a Sunday uh, while you're watching NFL football. It's great to have football back. And if you're picking up burgers and hot dogs for a barbecue, we know you're already doing it. You're already doing your grocery shopping or your standard shopping anyway. Why not get cash back for it? Well, with Ibotta, you can get cash back. You They give you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. So you can make sure that you're beating inflation no matter what you are purchasing. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $120 per year of free cash back that could pay for an entire shopping trip you could put that towards uh, a vacation you could put that towards buying yourself a pair of sacramento kings tickets to see the beam getting lit other apps give you points that maybe don't really amount to much or you're locked into you have to use it at these specific retailers or these specific stores i bought a it's cash you can use it however you please and you can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands too and retailers when you start with i bought including like lowe's macy's sephora best buy and more right now i bought is offering our listeners five dollars for just trying i bought a by using the code locked when you register just go to the app store or google play store download the free i bought a app and use code locked that's i-b-o-t-t-a in the google play or app store and use code locked the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the nba playoffs mark your calendars to listen to locked on nba every monday to be up to date locked on nba Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I don't know about you. I'm a sucker for this. I pay very close attention with rookies and young players to veteran mentorship and who mm-hmm. they kind of attach themselves to. Like Keegan Murray and and Demonte Savonis very much attached themselves to to one another. Savonis very much took Murray under his wing. Now, that doesn't mean that Keegan didn't learn from other guys because at times yeah. you would see Fox talk to him. At times, of course, you'd see Mike Brown talk to him. But it was definitely during the game and, and during practices and stuff like that, you would see Savonis sometimes grab Murray and point to a point of the floor and go, this is where I need you to be. Mm-hmm. What veteran or which veteran on the Sacramento Kings roster? I have an answer to this, but I don't want to influence your decision. Like, what veteran on the Kings roster do you think is a a, a likely kind of fit for Colby to to grab him and kind of guide him? Well, Sabonis is the answer for everybody, but that's a <laughs> cheap is. answer because, like, he 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 does that with everybody. He does. Like, you, we already talked about how much Duarte uh, shined playing off him as a rookie. Um, you know, I really kind of hope he spends a lot of time with Malik Monk because, 
um, that that combination of playmaking and uh, on ball creation and get ready to shoot if if one of the other drivers is is suddenly finds you open like a lot of what Kobe's going to do Monk's also going to do um I mean the, the Kings just have so many veterans right. now that I'm not going to complain about him spending time with anybody like Kevin Herter would be another great one uh Herter really exploded last year in terms of having more on-ball responsibilities and if there's one thing I'd love to see Colby continue to improve um, whether in Sacramento or in Stockton, it's on ball responsibilities because there really just is that disconnect in terms of, okay, you're on the ball, you're transitioning from even the best of a, a, a top tier college basketball program to NBA. Suddenly NBA guards are in your face on the point of attack. Like that it, to me is the biggest question mark for Colby is how is he going to create his own offense if teams cut him off and, and are aware of the floater? Um, and, and working with a lot of guys on the Sacramento Kings team could really help improve that. Kevin Herter took a big leap in that last year. Mm -hmm. um, spending time, I know Keegan's spent a lot of practice time this summer with De'Aaron Fox, and I absolutely love that because right. if there's anybody that's going to help uh, Keegan Murray continue to improve his ball handling, his awareness, and how quicker faster guys are going to disrupt him at the point of attack it's going to be the fastest guy in the league so it, there's not a real uh real bad answer here no i agree with that like has as the keegan fox relationship this offseason even duarte sabonis like as those those relationships show and mentorship show you don't have to be mentored by someone who plays the same position as you mm -hmm. and that's why the name that came to mind for me was harrison barnes like mm -hmm. i thought i thought in terms of like someone who knows and understands and fills like a steady consistent mm -hmm. role kind of a swiss army knife in a lot of ways i think that's what the sacramento kings would like from colby jones just as a guard and not as a forward like i i mean harrison barnes could like to your point help anybody and everybody on that roster and we already know that he does but if i saw colby jones being pulled aside and standing in the corner every day during training camp and harrison barnes was the guy next to him walking him through things not only would that excite me i imagine if mike brown saw the same thing that would probably fire him up too because even though harrison has his pitfalls and at times we're asking harrison to be really, really good at one thing instead of just solid at kind of everything. Mm -hmm. I think Harrison has a lot that he could do and a lot that he could influence someone like Colby Jones for who we believe Colby to be as an NBA mm -hmm. player. Yeah, and and having your... God, it feels weird to talk about Harrison Barnes as the fifth man on this team now. It took even a year removed from him being that is the third is, guy. <laughs> yeah, that's that's odd, but it's the, it, it is that same kind of role. Like you're going to go in and you're going to be that connector piece that makes everybody else on the offense better in twenty different ways. And and Harrison did a good job of that last year. Well, let's talk about, let's switch it up to Sasha Vizenkov, who's technically a rookie, although we were talking beforehand, like no one is going to consider this man a rookie. Some people believe he's going to going to compete for rookie of the year. And the fact that a, a 20, what is he, 28 year old, a 20 year old, eight year old can compete for rookie of the year is laughable. I don't think he has a chance, not because he's not good enough, but because the volume that Victor Winbanyama and Scoot and these guys are going to have with the ball in their hands versus Sasha is going to be very much a, a role player and that's not meant in a negative context because i think his role in sacramento he could be one elite at 
And two, he could be a lethal option for Sacramento just with his catch and shoot ability and cutting ability, at least on the offensive end. Of course, there's questions on defense, but there's plenty on this roster. So we're not going to necessarily hold that against Sasha alone. But like, Brian, what excites you about Sasha Vizenkov? And not necessarily just the player that he was in bringing a EuroLeague MVP, but I mean, you copy and paste Sasha from Olympiacos and put him here in Sacramento. Like, what excites you the most about what he can be? contributing to a playoff team and hopefully contender here in Sacktown. Yeah. I, I'm so excited to see him with the squad. And I know they're not being quiet with their internal excitement for him. Just adding another shooter to this roster, especially one with his pedigree, his quick shooting ability. Like that just seems like turning on a cheat code with this roster, considering the team that they already had in place. Uh, like you said, there's going to be real adjustments he'll need to make on the defensive end, but Man, if he can keep shooting the heck out of the ball and do his part to help this team be a better rebounding squad, like however the team balances out his minutes off the bench, like he's going to make, they're going to have way more weapons than they did last year. And that feels so weird to say. When you've built your team around De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis, just getting as many elite shooters on this roster as possible is always a good thing. And bringing in a 28 year old who, at the highest level he could just showed what he can do, uh, how quick that shot is, that's going to transition. And you know, the, the, the bright lights, like he didn't shrink Mm -hmm. in, in, in the, uh, in their biggest games. I'm excited to see how he does with this team because, you know, I, I totally agree with you. Anybody who's penciling him in as a rookie of the year candidate, I just don't think that the minutes, the volume, the, the Rookie of the Year award always, almost always goes to the guys who have the biggest combination of minutes and shot attempts. Mm. And that's just not something that we can guarantee for Shasha. But the role that he plays, I think, come March, April, this team will be better off for having him on this team than, than any other rookie, at least in the moment. So it's it's really cool thing to add a 28-year-old rookie who, like you said, we're staring at him like – it doesn't feel like a rookie. Mm-hmm. Is he going to have to bring the team Chick-fil-A on the, on the plane? I don't know. The thinking back to the, the playoff series against the Warriors, just imagining what having one more shooter to the mm-hmm. caliber of Vizenkov, because the Kings as a team struggled so mightily from three point range. I don't know if Vizenkov would have been better or if he would have struggled too, but just the idea of having one more shooter, to that caliber, what that could have done for the Kings, not just against the Warriors, but against any team in the playoffs. And I have to be careful when I say this, Bryant, because I, 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 like, I'm trying to be realistic here, but I, like, he's never played in Europe with the talent that he's going to play here in Sacramento and the talent that draws so much attention. He was the guy in Europe. So everybody was was game planning for him. And, and opposing teams are going to know, okay, this guy's a shooter. Let's try and deny him the ball and not try and give him as many looks on the perimeter as possible. But if Vizenkov is out there, we know uh, Mike Brown likes to stagger his lineups, right? So if Vizenkov is out there with Fox and Sabonis at times, which he's going to be, and even guys like Malik Monk or Kevin Hurd or whoever who's also drawing attention, like, I'm not saying Vizenkov's job in the NBA is going to be easier than it was in Europe because that's just not true. The game's at a different level, especially defensively. But I wouldn't be surprised if he has more open looks in the NBA because of the guys he's playing with than he ever did in in Europe. And assuming he can knock those shots down, I mean, he might 
realized pretty quickly, wow, like I got space here. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I totally agree with that. And what excites me most about his transition from Europe League to here is that it's the same role. Like you talked about, it's it, the defenses are going to be totally different in terms of how much they have to focus on him. He's not at the top of the scouting report, but they're still it's not like they're trying to fit in a, a big time ball handler here. Somebody who's used to doing a lot of dribbling. Like I know there are some absurd stats out there of how many shots he took in X number of games and how many dribbles he had. And that's going to go even down even more. If he he's just ready to keep moving off the ball, uh, just keep moving the gravity, forcing defenses to pay attention to him with Fox and Sabonis and Monk, he's going to get looks and that transition is just so seamless to me mm-hmm. on the offensive end. I, I'm really excited for it. And like you said, there's certainly going to be other transitions, especially on the defensive end, maybe on the rebounding end, although I've got my big fingers crossed that um, come by the end of the year, he's a, he's a meaningful piece of helping make the Kings be a better rebounding squad. Mm-hmm. But if we had had him coming off the bench uh, in against the Warriors last year to help mitigate, you know, when when Herter wasn't shooting the ball well, uh, those first couple of games when Keegan wasn't shooting the ball well, when Harrison wasn't shooting the ball well, having one more big shooter mm-hmm. who can also hopefully make an impact on the on the glass that will make the Kings a better team. Um, does that does that mean he's suddenly shooting 40% come the playoffs? Who knows? But I, I love this addition, and I'm excited to see how this Kings team is handling February, March, April with uh, Sasha on the roster. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I've gotten this comment a lot, and I'm curious what your what your thoughts are on this. I've tried to pump the little uh, the brakes, not just a little bit, pretty uh, kind of significantly on the idea of Sasha becoming a starter here in Sacramento, maybe a year or two down the road. But this season, I just don't I don't see it because of the significance of Harrison Barnes' role. Mm-hmm. Plus, I think Kings fans are naturally low on Harrison Barnes right now, just because he's so familiar. Other than De'Aaron Fox, he's the longest tenured King here. So. I mean, a handful of seasons ago, like the Kings would have killed to have been able to sign a, a starting caliber three or four like Harrison Barnes um, for for multiple years or multiple different contracts. And now that this team has potentially championship expectations, I understand the hesitancy of fans with Harrison going forward. And I think a lot of people think maybe Sasha can be the guy to replace Harrison or bring Harrison off the bench. I'm just, I'm not even close to there yet. I think Sasha's real true role and his best fit with this Kings team, like Malik Monk coming off the bench as a six man, I think Sasha's best fit with Sacramento to contribute to Sacramento winning at least right away is in that seventh or eighth man role where he just comes in off the bench and you can stagger him with, you can fit him in with any lineup the Kings throw out there and he's going to rain down threes and be a consistent offensive threat. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I have my own hesitancies about Harrison Barnes. 
But at the same time, it's hard for me to look at Sasha and say that he, as a starter uh, in between Sabonis and Keegan, it, it's hard for me to look at him and say he's going to do as much across the board and and be quite as versatile as, as Harrison has been. Um, now, maybe that doesn't mean that closing lineups won't feature Sasha over somebody else that we're not yes. expecting because – um, X, Y, Z happened in the game and, and Mike Brown's loving the spacing that Sasha provides, but it's not like Harrison Barnes didn't have a good shooting season after that early, early December slump. Mm. It, it would surprise me if, you know, come the first couple of weeks, we're seeing Sasha get a starting nod. Um, maybe by the end of the year, Sasha will have had enough time in the NBA that, you know, suddenly his defensive improvements and he, he, you know, maybe he's a better rebounder and the shooting, uh, because Harrison Barnes is a good shooter. Sasha's probably a different level of shooter, mm. maybe by the end of the season. But I, I agree with you. I would definitely pump the brakes on anybody being like, oh, no, Sasha's going to come in to replace Harrison Barnes. Um, it, if, if Harrison Barnes is going to be replaced in the long run, I would think it should be somebody who brings more defense. And that's just not who Sasha is. The closing lineup point by you, I think, is actually brilliant because with the amount of talent on this roster, we are going to see different combinations depending upon the night, which means I think sooner than we realize, we're going to see a lot of Keegan Murray at three. And I know people have questions about Keegan Murray at the three. What do you think? I mean, Keegan has some pretty high expectations on his shoulders placed upon him, not just by us, not just by fans, not just by like, De'Aaron Fox, who he's working with, but even by Mike Brown, or excuse me, uh, Monty McNair, who spoke in the athletic article with uh, with Sam Amick about how they want him to be more of like a uh, a shot creator and shooting off the dribble and, and kind of a go-to scorer in that way. So we have to see it probably before we can speak on it too confidently, but the idea of Keegan Murray playing the three and holding that spot down on both sides, how are you feeling about that? That was always my... Um, the way that I would have liked to see Keegan develop. Um, ideally, it, it the, the point of drafting a guy like Keegan Murray is that you could fit him with so many different types of players, mm-hmm. other starters. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and, and the idea of, well, is he a power forward or is he a small forward? The, the good news is, is that he's always going to be able to play either spot to, to a good extent. But I agree with you. If if I had been the Kings, and it seems that they've really been taking this uh, road from last year to summer league to uh, what we've heard across the summer workouts, I, I would like to see him get more uh, flexible and and more experience uh, on guarding uh, on ball on the defensive end uh, against smaller players, smaller threes, and as long as he's ready to fight on the glass, like I don't see a downgrade there. Mm-hmm. And man, did I love what I saw from him in the California classic, right. because y- you and I, we, we talked about this last year before he got drafted. If there was one thing that was going to elevate him from this, well, should he be the fourth overall pick to, Oh yeah, he should clearly be, have been the fourth overall pick. It was going to be that jump in off the dribble on ball creation, because I was very confident coming in that he was going to be a great catch and shoot rookie who could make some stuff happen around the basket and, and defend at a solid level. 
But that summer league explosion where he was just suddenly the guy with the ball in his hands and shooting uh, the most contested jumpers that summer league defense could put on him, man, that was as exciting as, as it could get for me. So blow the roof off the expectations for Keegan Murray. I'm ready to see what his sophomore season uh, has to offer. And, and I'm excited that uh, that the Kings are, are getting him more and more used to on-ball creation stuff because that's how I think he transitions from he's a good starter around this team to he's the third player that this team needs. And we got a glimpse of it in the California Classic, but I'm really looking forward to seeing the De'Aaron Fox influence on Keegan mm-hmm. Murray's game because there's elements of, if you go back and watch that California Classic, there are little elements of how Keegan put the ball on the floor and his pull-up mid-range jumpers and things like that. You're like, oh, that that looks like Fox. There's a little yeah. bit of De'Aaron Fox that that you could tell the two of them have had a great relationship this summer. And as Fox mentioned on the Deuce and Mo podcast, they've seen each other basically every single day this offseason, which in my opinion is only a good thing for Keegan. Last thing for you, Bryant, like one of the major storylines and talking points for the Kings training camp is the big man battle, right? So you got four centers that you're bringing in there, not named Demonte Sabonis. You have Namias Keda, you have Alex Len, you have uh, now JaVale McGee and Nerlens Noel. Two-part question. How many backup fives are you bringing into the regular season with you? Because I still believe that Trey Lyles is going to get a lot of that oh, kind yeah. of rotational five-spot minutes just because you have to find him a spot with Sasha Vizenkov who's going to play the four. So how many backup fives are you bringing on uh, into the season? And who are the guys that you're bringing with you if you're Mike Brown? Well, I'll I'll start this answer by saying I agree with you. Um, I would bring Lyles off the bench for quite a lot of situations. Uh, He was great in the Warriors uh, series. He was great a lot of last year as uh, that backup five. So just aside from him, I would expect that they're going to bring two. Um, and just based on how everything seems to be shaking up right now, it's most likely that it would be JaVale McGee uh, and Alex Len. And, and credit to Alex Len, like he yeah. he came into that Warriors pl- series, like and 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 he played very well in mm-hmm. the first couple of games. Um, so I I think it's totally fine if those are the guys. Um, I was a little uh, surprised, not, I guess not surprised. Surprised isn't the right word. Cause clearly a lot of teams were trying to go out there and get JaVale McGee, including the warriors and the Kings gave him a guaranteed contract. Um, it, it, if there's anything that I, I that I question, it's the Dallas Mavericks had really poor big man rotation last year. Um, so much so that, I mean, their new rotation is, um, and I've totally forgot his name. The Duke Center, who you and I talked about. Oh, um, uh, Lively, Derek yeah. Lively, Derek yeah. Lively. Thank you. They got him. Uh, they of course traded for Rashawn Holmes in the trade with the Kings. Like they remade their big man rotation, and they had a four year contract with Javale. It just it kind of surprises me that he was out the door unless they were like, hey, there may not be as many minutes for you as you're expecting. Um, so I, I, I'm couching my uh, optimism for JaVale in just that, like the worst, one of the worst big man rotations in the league last year kicked him out, but clearly he's a veteran and the best shot blocker that this team has. And everything that he does on the offensive end, he's going to be a great pick and roll player for Malik Monk. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to rebound with force and between him and Alex Len, those would be my guesses. But if one of them gets beat out, cause Nerlens Noel just took a, a, big step in training camp that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world 
Well, we will have to see. One thing's for sure, like this is just, there's expectations and there's maybe the fear behind those expectations of what if they don't meet them, but this team is geared up to be incredibly fun to watch again. But also, I think this team got better, Bryant. I really think this is a 50-win team. Not a lot of people are pegging them to be that. A lot of people think they're just going to tread water because of how much better the rest of the West got. But again, I think the rest of the West is going to realize, too, that the Sacramento Kings also got better. And internal growth with this group is a real deal because now they've, uh, once training camp starts, they'll have been together for just one full calendar year, this core, which is crazy to think about that it's only been one year with how well they played last season. But Brian, of course, all season long, you and the great crew over at Kings Herald will uh, will be covering and enjoying this ride and providing great content over there. So keep up that work. And uh, we won't have you a stranger here on Locked on Kings. Let's get you, uh, we don't just have to do rookies and draft time. In the middle of the season when all everything's popping off and the beam's being lit too, we'll get you back in here a time or two if you're down. Uh, to, to talk some Kings basketball. I'd love that. I always love talking Kings basketball with you, Matt. Anytime. Big thank you to Bryant for joining me here on the Locked on Kings podcast. It's always a pleasure to have him on. He's just such a great basketball mind. Uh, does amazing work over there at Kings Herald. Uh, most of you should be and probably are familiar with Kings Herald, but this site, I mean, they just continue to impress me, not just with the quality of content that they put out, but the people that they attract. Um, the Kings fans or... Uh, maybe they're most of them are Kings fans. I think it's fair to say, but even those that aren't Kings fans that are at least Kings interested, right? The high basketball IQs that they have, how great they are at writing and articulating their basketball points and just the content that they provide over there is so excellent. Uh, and Brian is one of the major contributors and reasons for that. So go and check out his work, go and check out the Kings Herald's work over the course of the buildup to the season during the regular season, just add it to your rotation. You won't be disappointed, but, Appreciate Bryant for coming on. Looking forward to having him on again. Looking forward to having you join me for the next episode of the Locked on Kings podcast. I have more episodes and more interviews, more guests coming over the course of this week. We're ramping the coverage back up, baby, because we're in September now. Training camp is right around the corner. Let's build up. Let's get hype and let's get ready for the return of Sacramento Kings basketball. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode of Locked on Kings. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to the Locked on Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.